This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, just turn with me to Daniel chapter 5. We're going to continue our sermon series. Um, I promised my wife I wouldn't go long today since we... But that doesn't mean anything, right? So, hey, uh, it's a very powerful chapter. Uh, again, at Mosaic Church, sorry, <laughs> at Mosaic Church, uh, uh, so today's sermon is not going to be like how you can be like Daniel. Um, that would be a great service, but today is uh, how not to be like the kings that are presented and the leaders that are presented in the Bible, in the Daniel uh, chapter 5, we're going to be introduced to a new, new character in Daniel chapter 5. Nebuchadnezzar is gone. And it says that King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. This sounds so familiar on the story of Queen Esther. Remember, he gave this elaborate banquet. And a lot of times when people give elaborate banquets, it's to, um, it's to show off. And if you read the story in Esther, I mean, he was really showing off. This guy, Belshazzar, is, uh, um, I mean, he is being sacrilegious uh, and right in the face of the living God. And, uh, but usually when you're throwing this elaborate, if you read Esther, it's hilarious how he just went overboard on the table setting and just trying to, um, you know, just have the biggest banquet there ever was. I'm sure he was trying to make it in the, uh, you know, social media and all that kind of stuff. And here we are in Daniel chapter 5. I do want to review really quick for those of you who may not have uh, been here every week. So chapter 1 is really about, in Daniel, is how, how can we get, the, this is maybe the, uh, this is what Daniel was dealing with, but we also deal with, how do we get people to assimilate to the world's culture? Uh, you know, we'll, they will do whatever it can to get you to conform. Now, in most places across the world, they use a, a stick, not the carrot. The stick is that you are going to get pelted, you're going to get punished if you don't conform. And we can see that, you know, happen on, uh, especially uh, very... Um, overbearing communistic um, regimes and places where they'll use the stick to get people to behave according to their standard. There's threat of prison. And, and as we know, if those of you who follow Voice of the Martyrs, there are believers across this globe who don't, uh, did not react to the stick. They, they responded to God, and they have been punished because they didn't conform. They didn't assimilate. And so chapter one is really uh, how does get Daniel and his friends to assimilate. Now the interesting thing is, uh, and it happens here as well, is, and it happens in these regimes that we just talked about. You know, we talked about China or other places. They will, um, they will let you continue your religious uh, services as long as it's not the first thing and you're not, that's not number one in your life. In other words, if you're going to be obedient to the main regime, that's important. And they'll let you follow your gods after that. 
It can never be the other way around. And that's not allowed. So they'll use the, the, the stick to get us to conform. Now, the rest of the world, like where we live, um, the culture uses pleasure. It makes all these promises. If you get these Jordache jeans, anybody know what Jordache jeans are? Only a few of you do. Uh, if you get these Jordache jeans, uh, we could never afford Jordache. I could only afford the JCPenney version. That looked just like Jordache, but my friends knew it wasn't. Um, or you get these, uh, you know, back in the day, we couldn't afford Levi's, so we ended up getting tough skins. Any tough skins from Sears? And they had the built-in patch on the knees. Uh, it was awesome. But, you know, they will make promises that if you follow your, these pleasures and these enticing things, um, that's how they try to get us to conform, that somehow you are going to get blessed and you're going to find fulfillment by following these pleasurable trails. And so they'll use, uh, uh, the, the culture will use the carrot to entice us to go places that God does not want us to go. And so that's chapter one. Chapter two, the main, uh, I love chapter two because you can see the incredible difference between Jesus and uh, this statue that, that, Dan, uh, that uh, Nebuchadnezzar is going to build. And you remember they call on Daniel to, to uh, interpret the dream. And that took someone who is in tune with God. And the challenge for us is when, when it's time for us to step, step up to the plate, are we ready? Are we ready? Remember I talked to you about uh, this a couple years ago that I, uh, the pilot um, that landed the plane on the Hudson. You know, I, I said that he wasn't a hero, and, and I said it on social media, and people got all offended. But in the sense that he wasn't a hero, that he, he was a hero in the sense that he stepped up to the plate, but he had been practicing this, these maneuvers all his career. He was ready for the situation. It wasn't like he was a lazy pilot, never studied, never practiced, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, the, the, the birds crashed the, the engines and the plane's going down, and a miracle, he knew what to do. No, he was prepared and he was ready. And Daniel was ready. And I was a challenge for us as, as people that live here, you know, um, do our bosses call us up and say, hey, I, I'm stuck, uh, I don't know what to do, I need your help. Apparently, I can see that you're in tune with God, and maybe God will give you some incredible insight that you can help us. And Daniel was ready. And um, you remember that uh, God dwells with us in chapter two. And, um, and so chapter three, idols. What other idols are we tempted with and bow down every day? You know, we talked about the, the fiery furnace. And, and these uh, Hebrew children did not uh, conform and they wouldn't bow down to to the, the regime's demands. And so what happens? They, were, they did not bow down, even with the threat of being thrown into the fiery furnace. And so they were thrown in, but God was there with them. That's what I love, that story. He was with them in the midst of the fire. And what's the challenge for us? The challenge for us is uh, that, we would that we would have that kind of spiritual backbone, the fortitude, spiritual fortitude, that we wouldn't buckle uh, to conform to the world's standards, that we would only 
bow our knee to the king. Now the challenge, and if you were here that Sunday, I said is that too many of us, like um, I was just telling uh, Ross that I blew my knee out uh, the other week and, um, and worshiping Jesus today, I'm like, I injured it again. And, and right now my knee's pretty weak. Uh, it wouldn't take much pressure to make me buckle. I could literally just, you know, if you put some pressure on me, I'm gonna buckle. Uh, and, and too many of us spiritually are like that. We just easily buckle. There is no threat of the fiery furnace to any of us tonight if we uh, don't follow God, uh, if we don't follow the regime's standards. And if we fight it, there's somebody's not threatening us to throw us in a fiery furnace. But too many of us, there is no fiery furnace needed, no loaded gun needed, no stick needed. We will easily buckle our knees. And God wants to challenge us that he wants to spiritually uh, convict us uh, in our spirit to say, hey, um, we have to trust that God's ways are, are the right ways. You know, the, one of my favorite scriptures, there was a, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but at the end is death. Seems right is not right. And so that's the challenge for us as believers that we live in this culture. We want to be the best that we can. We want to be ready when we're called up. But at the same time, we don't ever want to be lured away from uh, the standard and the principles that God has called us to, to Jesus. It's not just principles. It's to a person, Jesus. So chapter three is uh, too many of us won't need pressure of a fiery furnace to buckle our knees. And I pray that God will make us spiritually strong like he did with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, those three Hebrew children. And then remember I said in Matthew 16, if, if you try to hang on to your life, you're gonna lose it, but if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And it's about humbling yourself before the Lord. Chapter four, we did this last week. If uh, this, one of the beautiful things about chapter four is that Nebuchadnezzar was a stubborn, idol-worshiping, Man, he was just full of himself. And he was warned by, by God in the dream. And 12 months into the grace period, and that's where we so easily get duped. Too many of us get duped. It's kind of like, um, you know, maybe a little kid, and I used to do this as a kid, and I did confess to my parents that um, I would steal a few quarters off of my dad's dresser and just periodically and I was afraid that first time so I grabbed the quarters and put it in my pocket and for the next two days nothing happened nothing bad happened and so I convinced myself that I can get away with it because nothing immediately bad happened little did I know that it was God's grace and mercy giving me time to make things right but I misinterpreted that, that somehow God is okay with it. And so when, maybe when we're walking in disobedience and nothing bad happens, we think, all right, maybe God wasn't looking. And so that happened to me. And, and quite honestly, my dad never figured out it was me who was taking his coins. He probably did, he just didn't say anything about it. But what I did not know is that that would uh, put a little seed in my heart thinking that if I, I can do things and get away with it. I can do things and get away with it. And so 
in chapter four, Nebuchadnezzar made this fatal mistake. He had the opportunity to humble himself in the beginning of the chapter, but he doesn't do it. He, he, uh, he doesn't heed the warning. He thinks that time is somehow God's just kind of turning the other way. But in the 12th month, his life just came to a crashing end. And next thing you know, he's eating grass like the beast of the fields. However, one of the most beautiful verses in the whole Bible is that if Nebuchadnezzar can get right with God, then anybody that I know can get right with God. Because this guy was just an evil dude. So it's encouraging in chapter 4. And that's why it's important when the, the children of Israel heard this story, this true story. It was meant to encourage them that no one is too far away from God that they can't get right with God. You haven't done too many bad things that it's, it's, it's sent you off the, the ledge that you can't make things right with God. So that's what I love about chapter 4. If Nebuchadnezzar can be right with God, then anyone can. But confession is important. Being humble and saying, God, I was wrong is important. That's part of the process. And so God will use sometimes circumstances in our lives to look up. To look up. And sometimes we have, and again, I'm not saying every bad thing means that God is disciplining. Sometimes bad things just happen to good people. But sometimes God will use circumstances to get our attention, to, to snap his fingers and say, hey, you know, your time is running out. Get right. And so uh, that's what I love about chapter four. Now we are in chapter five. Chapter five, it's... Um, what you value, I do not value. I love this chapter. It's a powerful chapter. It's about this young, uh, the son of Nebuchadnezzar who's now in charge. Uh, do you know people who, uh, one of my favorite little, I, I don't even know if it was Will Smith, but I saw a little clip, and Will Smith was talking to someone, and he says, yeah, my son came out to me. He says, hey, Dad, how much money, how rich are we? And his response is like, we, you know, no, how rich I am. You're not rich. Uh, uh, I'm rich. And so, but this is not the case with, with the son. He um, was just given life on a silver platter, and now he's in charge, and he thinks he's all that. He, think, he has forgotten the, the transition from his dad, what happened with his dad. And so now we are in chapter five, and uh, there's a moment where... Uh, that we are going, uh, the king is going to be weighed. And so I just want you to look real quick as I fly through this. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold. Listen to what he did. I mean, talk about uh, just, just a disrespect for God and his people. When Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar's father had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. Can you imagine? It's kind of like partying with, uh, you know, somebody taking our communion trays that we use and somebody decides to party with them using those goblets or, or maybe taking, taking um, 
communion cups and, and playing some sort of, you know, drunken game with them. It's just totally dis, disrespect and, and, and irreverent. And this is what he does. He says he, 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 says he uses the, the, the gold and silver goblets that taken from Jerusalem that, is, uh, that was given, taken from the temple in Jerusalem. So they brought in the gold goblets who had taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles, his wives, his concubines drank from them. And they drank wine and they praised the gods of gold and silver, the gods of bronze, iron, wood, and stone. It was a huge party. A thousand, says, people were invited. And the only thing that he was really claimed to fame is that he was born in the family. My wife and I have been uh, big fans of the show, uh, the uh, TV show called The Crown. It's very interesting. Uh, my pastor that I grew up under was, was English, and so I kind of knew a lot of what was going on. And just interesting how that kind of theme pops in that's, that these, these kids or the, the family was somehow were just were born into royalty. And the same thing happens here. But suddenly in verse 5, Suddenly the fingers of humans appeared and rode on the plaster wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. And the king watched the hand as it rode. His face turned pale and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. He was scared to death. The king summoned the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. And then he said to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple. Hey, if you can figure this out, I am going to give you a royal robe clothed in purple, and you will have a gold chain placed around your neck, and, it will, and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. You will be rewarded tremendously if you can help me out, is what he says. But nobody could figure it out. And then the queen, hearing the voices of the kings and his nobles, says, may the king live forever. And she says in verse 10, there is a man in your kingdom who has the right spirit of the holy gods in him. Wouldn't that be awesome to be t said about? Hey, I know someone in the office. I know someone in the office that, um, is, that works in your office and has the spirit of the holy God in him. And in verse it says, Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the magicians. He did this because Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar, was found to have taken a keen mind and knowledge and understanding. So they bring him in. It's one of my favorite stories here. And he tries to humble him. Aren't, are you, Daniel, one of those exiles, those nobodies, my father, the king, brought to Judah, from Judah? I've heard that the Spirit of God is in you and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and the enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not. Now, I've heard that you are able to give interpretation to solve this difficult problem. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple. You will have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered the king. I love this verse. Mark it down, highlight it. You know, you can do it on your phone. This is what he answers 
to the king, you may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. That's why I put the, what you value, I don't value. What you value means nothing to me. What you value and you put high esteem means nothing. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. Basically saying my services are not for sale. Another famous sermon you could hear on the line, it's called 10 Shekels in a Shirt. It's an hour long. Again, my services are not for sale. I am not going to do this so that I can be honored in your kingdom. I'm going to do it because I want to honor God. And basically, if you read the rest of the story, because we can't because of time, uh, he's going to be found wanting. The king is going to find out that his days are numbered. And it says in verse 26, and your, and your reign will be brought to an end. You have been weighed on the scales and you have been found wanting. Verse 28, your kingdom is divided and it will be given to the Medes and the Persians. Then at Belteshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple and gold chain was placed around his neck and he was proclaimed the highest ruler in the kingdom. He still got the prize. He was weighed and he was found lacking. Look at what it says in verse 30. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. His party came to an end. His party comes. And guess what? Everybody's party comes to an end. Everybody's party. Sometimes you think, you know, when a, a, you know I don't want to just talk about my, my friendships that I have outside the church. You know, and I can, I can see it. They just act as though. Uh, the party is always going to keep going. It's just going to keep on going. Somehow, because you know, they've just lived certain ways and nothing's happened. They just think it's going to keep going. But all of us, all of us one day will, will have to take account before the Lord. And so Babylon was put on the scale and it was found wanting. So how, does, uh, how am I going to wrap this up? Let's not be swayed by earthly powers and wealth. That's easy to say, right? Let's not be swayed by earthly powers and wealth. Because one day, of course, we're going to be put on the scales of justice. Last thing I want to just challenge you with is, let's look at Jesus for a moment. Jesus, too, was also weighed. He was put on the scale. But instead of found, being found wanting, what do we know about Jesus? He was found to be perfect. Jesus was fully able to satisfy the great demands of God's holiness. Now, Jesus did not have the earthly resources to throw a party for a thousand noblemen. But we do know because of Scripture that he is preparing a place for us for this great party that one day that we will be a part of. And guess who gets to attend this party? People who have gone before us, who have made commitments to God and Christ. And for those of us who will commit and have complete faith in Christ. So there's this 
party, I love this story because there's a compare and contrast. The, the party of, of uh, the son is, is, just, is just debauchery. And somehow, somehow that is the place to be. Somehow that will find fulfillment. Somehow that you'll find your, your future there. You will find hope and joy and peace. Jesus doesn't throw that kind of party. But there's a different kind of party that we will be a part of. And the thing is, you know, we talk about robes. And if I can get Ross to, uh, Royce to come on up and uh, finish. Talk about robes, remember? Um, they still place that robe on, on Daniel, the purple robe. Um, the party that believers are going to go to, we're going to be given robes as well. Clothing to, to uh, give us, you know, let us know that we are part of the royal family. But our robes will be washed. And we sang that already this morning. That will be washed white. Although our, our clothes were stained with, with crimson stain of sin, that through the blood of Christ, that we will be washed. And, and the thing that I know that I love about that, the banquet that this young king put on ended. But the banquet that Christ wants us to participate will never have an end. God will always rule. And so the question I have for you this morning, those of you who are watching online, have you been invited to the banquet? Have you been maybe duped to believe that if you just follow these world standards and these world's ways, that somehow you're going to find fulfillment and joy? And, you know, for many years of my life, I, I, I thought that. I thought that. And I'm just so glad that Christ removed the scales from my eyes. So I'd like for everybody to close your eyes and just going to bow, bow your heads, if you, if you would. So how do we know if we're on the right track? Usually telltales of sign is, you know, what makes you angry? We've, you've heard me talk about that. What makes you happy? What makes you sad? You know, you find yourself invested emotionally. What, what is it? And then you have to really ask yourself. One of the biggest challenges in all of our lives, we'll just try to figure out where we are. And a lot of times what we get angry at and what we get happy about are signs of where our allegiances are. Too many of us You know, we, and, you know, I'm included. Sometimes I just get worried and scared. And, and then I just have to ask the Lord to give me, why am I feeling this? And the Lord sometimes will tell me, because I'm, I'm vested in that. Too many of us got all worked up over the election. Why? Because we're invested in it. Why? I know for the people I talk to, the challenge is like, it's, it's almost as though the election was where they would find their hope and peace and joy and future. That right person just gets elected. All those things are going to happen. Well, I'm just telling you, it didn't matter who was going to elect. That wasn't going to happen. 
Lord, we say thank you, Father. Every eye closed, head bowed, and say, Pastor Mark, I'm going to raise my hand and say, can, can you pray with me? There, there are things that I'm invested in that I, I shouldn't be. Yes, me too. Put your hand down. You've never given your life to Jesus. You're not sure if you're invited to the big banquet. can't think of a better time than right now. If you'd like to ever talk about that, say, Pastor Murray, I want to talk to you later on. After the service, I'll be available if you want to talk about, hey, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm right with God. I'll be here. I'd love to just chat with you about it. Jesus, we say thank you. Thank you that you're the perfect compare and contrast. We can look to you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and stand. We're going to ask Royce to, uh, to lead us in a song, and let's just worship Jesus as we finish up our service. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.